You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our Greenville teaching pastor, Matt Humphrey. We have three kids, and we were pretty certain on our kids' names, but they were always, all of our kids uh, were due early, like came earlier than they were supposed to be due. And, uh, and so we kind of went into the hospital with somewhat of a game plan, but not fully fleshed out. My, y'all are casting judgment on me. Um, and so the, the tricky thing for, for some of my kids was like the middle name. Like we were pretty certain on the first name. We're certain on the last name too. Uh, but the middle name, we're like, I don't know. We're, we kind of debated back and forth. And then they would keep coming in with paperwork. It's like, hey, you need to decide before you leave the hospital. Like, you got to pick a name. Um, and so, like, but there was so much weight in that decision of, like, this is a name they're stuck with for their whole life. What if they don't like it? Too bad. I mean, no, what if, you know, uh, what if it's a name they get made fun of or something? Or, like, how do, how do we wrap up this kid who we don't even know yet and give them an adequate name what does that look like? There, there's so much that goes into a name. There's so much that comes with the name. Um, and as we, as we are leading up to Christmas, um, our, our hope is not just that we would gain a better understanding of some vocabulary. Our hope is that as we focus our hearts and minds onto the names of Jesus and what they mean for you and I, that it would overflow and produce a sense of awe and of worship. That we would just posture ourselves, because like December's busy, let's face it. It is, we've got a, so many things to get to, we've got enough obligations, we've got enough meals to attend or cook, and, and we wanted to kind of slow a pace and to focus our hearts and our thoughts on who Jesus is and to let that produce worship in us. And so uh, with that in mind, if you have your copy of the scriptures, we're going to be on Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to look at the verse that Joe actually just read for us, uh, Isaiah chapter 9. I'm going to read it for us as we begin to unpack uh, the names of Jesus. Isaiah 9 verses 6 and 7 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You're like, Matt, that's four names, not one. Uh, Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. That's four names in just one verse. Um, Why more than one name? You're like, why don't we just have Jesus and that's the one we stick with, that's the name that we use. Um, There's, on top of, we've got to zoom out for just a minute. On top of the specific names that God gives us for himself, for his son, Uh, There's also language pieces at play. The Old Testament being written in Hebrew, the New Testament being originally written in Greek. There's language pieces at play. And so what I want to do for us is kind of as a refresher, as a zoom out for just a minute, I want to play us a quick video. I've played some of these for you before. It's called The Bible Project. But to look at the personal name of God, 
I know we're focusing on the names of Jesus in this series, but it's gonna give us a greater context as we begin unpacking the names of Jesus to first understand the personal name of God. So with that in mind, take a look at this short video. For thousands of years, every morning and evening, Jewish people have prayed these well-known words as a way of expressing their devotion to God. They're called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And as for you, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. We're going to look at the second key word here, Lord, written in all capital letters. This is the personal name of Israel's God. We first learn the meaning of this name in the story of Moses and the burning bush in the book of Exodus chapter 3. God appears to Moses and he commissions him to liberate the Israelites from slavery. And so Moses wonders, what if people ask the name of the God who has sent me? And so God responds, tell them Ehyeh has sent me to you. Now, that Hebrew word Ehyeh means I will be. In other words, God's name means that he is the one who is and who will be. God's existence doesn't depend on anyone or anything else. This God simply is. But it will sound kind of strange for Moses to go say to the Israelites, I will be has sent me to you. Only God can say, I will be. So in the next sentence, God tells Moses the version he should say aloud, Yahweh, the God of our ancestors, he has sent me to you. Now, that word Yahweh is the ancient Hebrew form of the verb he will be. And this is the personal name of the God of Israel. It appears over 6,500 times in the Old Testament. Now, here's what's interesting. Over the centuries, Israelites wanted to honor the sacred nature of this divine name. So as they read the Hebrew Bible aloud and they came to this name, they stopped saying Yahweh and instead started saying the Hebrew word for Lord, which is Adonai. Now this practice has been continued throughout the centuries. And so later, when people started translating the Bible into English, they adopted the same practice. Instead of spelling out the divine name, they translated it as Lord, spelled in all capital letters. Okay, you got that? Good, because there's more. Ancient Jewish scribes wanted to prevent anyone from even accidentally saying this name aloud when you read the Hebrew Bible. And so they came up with a visual device to remind you to make sure you say Adonai. They took the four consonant letters of the divine name. These letters correspond to our English letters, Y-H-W-H. Then they inserted the three vowels from the word Adonai and combined these together to create an artificial hybrid word, which if you pronounced it, it would say Yahuwah, but no Israelite ever said Yahuwah. It's simply a visual reminder to say the word Adonai. Now, it gets more interesting. Much later, Christian scribes came along who didn't know that Yahuwah was an artificial word. And so they began to say it aloud and spell it in their writings. This is the word that eventually entered into English as Jehovah. It's a word many people still use today. But the main thing is the word Lord in all capital letters is an indication of the divine name. Don't confuse it with the word Lord in your English translations that's not in all capital letters. That is the actual Hebrew word Adon, which just means Lord or master. This word can refer to people like kings or the master of a servant, even a shepherd over his sheep. And sometimes biblical authors will use this word to refer to God, like in the phrases, the Lord of all the earth or the Lord of Lords. But behind all of these words, Yehovah, Lord, Adonai, stands the original divine name of the God of Israel. It refers to the one who was, who is, and who forever will be. It's super interesting and also makes us realize that 
I thought I knew anything and I know nothing. Um, super smart. But it, why, why do I play that? Because we have to see that there's language pieces at play, but there's meaning behind every single name. There, there's significance. It's not just picked a random name. There, there's, there's so much significance and value behind the name, which three points today as we uh, begin to unpack this and set up for our series. The first is that every single thing that the Lord does and says is incredibly intentional. Everything that God says and did and does is incredibly intentional. It's not like he concentrated on certain things and didn't the others. Uh, he, he's very intentional about every single thing. Uh, there's even, I'm going to nerd out on you for a second, but even when you, when you think about creation, when you think about the fact that you and I are sitting here living and breathing, uh, scientists have come up with this uh, these different factors, they, they realize that how finely tuned earth and the universe is just in order for you and I to be breathing. Like there is, there's a list of like some say 30, some say 12, some say 150 different variables that if they were off by just a little bit, life could not exist on planet earth. Like what you and I know and exist could not function. Uh, like one is the, uh, the self-stretching property of the universe, how it's constantly expanding. It, if it varies more than one part in one to the 10 to the 120th power, meaning a lot, okay? Uh, the, the, um, the gravitational force to the electromagnetic force, anyways, I, I say all these, but uh, the given that any one planet in the universe could actually sustain life is one in 10 to the 173rd power. Now, Remember that uh, a one with a hundred zeros, it's called a Google. That's where we get the term Google from. Uh, anything above a Google, scientists are like, that's unicorns because it, it makes no sense. There's no number that's ever needed above a Google because it exceeds the amount of atoms in the universe, okay? So when we're talking about numbers, we're talking about numbers that are bigger than science even entertains because it's ridiculous. They don't exist, He's saying that these things, like if earth were 0.1% closer to the sun or further away, it'd be too hot or too cold. If the earth was tilted five degrees further, the the swing in temperature would be too much uh, to sustain life. If uh, there was a 1% difference in the amount of gravity that we had, our atmosphere wouldn't be applicable to have life on earth. Now, there's all of these different things with all of these massive numbers of probability. What I'm trying to say is that God is very specific. God is intentional. He is creator. He is author of life. And things aren't just accident. It's not just by happenstance. So we have to know that if God orchestrated all of creation, the universe, just for us to be sitting here living and breathing. And then he gives us his word and he gives us names in which we can call on him and call on his son. We have to know that they come with weight. They come with authority and they're intentional with purpose. It's not just, uh, Steve, you know, sorry if anyone's Steve here, you know, but he didn't just pick out a name. There's intentionality between all, behind all of it. Um, just as the foundations of the universe declare his handiwork, when the Lord speaks, it's never empty words. In fact, Paul goes on in Philippians 2, if you want to flip there with me. Philippians 2, uh, starting in verse 5, 
Paul kind of expounds on this idea about the name of Jesus. Uh, Philippians 5, this is kind of a starting point for our series. Sorry, Philippians 2, verse 5. He says, in your relationships with one another, he's talking about Christians, he said, you should have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He's saying this, this sacred, unpronounceable name, this sacred name that's been held with so much reverence of Yahweh is now the name in which we can call on in Jesus. He is exalted. Even in Isaiah, you see this idea of everyone bowing uh, and taking a knee to the name of God, of Yahweh, and, and he's fulfilling it and saying that, that in Jesus, Jesus is Yahweh in the flesh. And that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. The second truth is that every name helps us to understand a different facet of who he is. Um, every name of God, every name of Jesus helps us to understand a greater facet of who he is. It's like, uh, you know, growing up, sometimes when you, when you go to school, you get like the eight pack of crayons and all the, the fancy rich kids have like the 196 colors. They're named after like flavors and fruits and vegetables that you never heard of, like persimmon essence or whatever, you know? It's like you give an artist like one crayon or one color they can paint, but then as you start adding in layers and textures and more and more colors, the, the pictures come alive. They're, they're more vivid. Just as with a, a gemstone or a diamond, facets are like little cuts that are mirrors that reflect light in different ways. The reason we have different names is because the names reveal a different facet of who he is. That it reveals to us not just what he does, but who he is, his character, his nature. Um, Every name, we see this, every name is, is woven together. It is, it is these names in the Old Testament pointing to the Messiah, the, the New Testament, the, the fulfillment of the promise of Jesus. And it's, it's this woven together that, that, that brings a, a greater understanding or a greater picture of who he is. Um, for instance, like if you look, there's some lists that, depending upon what where you look, uh, there's some lists that say there's like over 900 and something names for God, or there's over 100 names of Jesus in the New Testament and in the Old Testament as well. There's so many different names, but what I love is this, this, this blending together. For instance, one that we may have heard before is Jehovah Jireh, right? God is my provider. Jehovah God, Yahweh is Jireh provider. Where does that come from? In the Old Testament, in Genesis 22, when, when Abraham is going up on the mountain to go sacrifice his son Isaac before the Lord, you know, they're, they're walking up and Isaac is carrying the wood and he's like, hey, dad, we got the wood for the, for the offering, but where's, where's the, the lamb? You know, awkward family moment, right? 
Uh, and he, he, says, he says, Jehovah Jireh, that God will provide. And they get up on top and, 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 and God tells him to stop and provides a ram that was caught in the thicket and said, Jehovah Jireh, that, that, that Abraham named the mountain, Mount Moriah, Jehovah Jireh, the place where God is my provider, that God is provider. And so we see this theme and then we see on Mount Moriah, that same place that Jehovah Jireh is where the, Solomon built the temple where people come and worship, where the, the presence of God dwelt. And then the fulfillment of that where Jesus was crucified on Mount Moriah. This God is my provider and the fulfillment of our ultimate provision of salvation being found in the person and the work of Jesus, Jehovah Jireh. So it's not just a name, we, we see that, that God's handiwork through the entirety of Scripture. We see that God's relentless pursuit of you and I and of, of humanity to restore his sons and daughters to right relationship with him. I love how John ends his gospel in, in John 21. This is his, his, his conclusion of it. He says, this is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Verse 25, Jesus did many other things as well. And if every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have enough room for the books to be written. What, a, what an accurate statement. He's saying Jesus did so many other things. This is not even the Cliff's Notes. This is just some of the highlights. If we were to stop and to write down everything that Jesus did, of everything he taught, of every interaction, we would run out of pen and paper, and we'd run out of room to store all the books. It, I have weird thoughts sometimes, weird perspectives, and, and we were decorating for Christmas this week, and, we, uh, and I was like, how odd would it be from like we have a we have a dog his name's cooper uh, how odd is it from the perspective of a dog of christmas like once a year these people bring in a tree into the house like a live tree i get yelled at when i bring a stick into the house but they bring a whole tree and they put lights on it they they hang old socks on the on the mantle that that has candy in it once you know he has our dog has a stocking. It's not my doing. It's my children, my wife. And it's down below. It's not up with the adults. It's down, or the, the humans, it's down here below on the side. Or this, I, like, how weird is it? And now imagine if I go home and, I, and I'm like, Cooper, look, we need to have a conversation. Some of y'all talk to your dogs. Some of you guys answer for your dogs. That's a whole different equation. But if I were to try to go home today and to explain why we celebrate Christmas... The Messiah, Jesus has come, born of a virgin, right? If I, if I were to try to have that conversation with my dog, it's ridiculous, right? Some of you are like, no, it's perfectly normal. <laughs> have you not <laughs> told your, your dog the good news of Jesus Christ? Um, but it's, 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 there's, a, there's a language barrier, there's an intellect barrier, there's a species barrier. It's, 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 it's uncomprehensible to try to explain this. Now listen. God's thoughts are not like our thoughts. God's ways are not like our ways. And so we can't begin to think that, that we, we have this, oh, I figured out everything of who God is. I, I know all. God is beyond full knowledge and comprehension. 
And you and I, we, we have his revealed character and his revealed truth through his word. And that's why we have the names of God that help point us to a greater understanding of who he is. Does that make sense? And then lastly, well, what do we do with this? As we focus in on one name today, the name of Jesus, as we start, uh, spoiler alert, day one is Jesus. So I'm going there and doing it for you, but ask the question, still do it at home. Um, where do we land with this? One, we, we trust in the name of Jesus, the person of Jesus, and the work of Jesus. That name, Jesus, um, in the Hebrew, the word Savior is Yeshua. Yeshua. Jesus uh, means Jehovah is salvation. That's what the word Jesus means. What's interesting, too, is as you look back, Jesus, which is a Greek word, uh, the Hebrew word is actually Joshua. You're like, wait a minute. <laughs> is it Joshua? Is it Jesus? Yes. Um, the, the, the Jehovah is salvation in the original Hebrew is Joshua. And as that's translated into Greek, it's Jesus. Um, now, if your name is John, anybody here named John? No? Okay. Uh, if your name is John, right, and you take a trip down to Mexico, uh, your name is still John, but you go by Juan, right? Okay. If you go to France, you're Jean. Um, if you go to Germany, your name is Johan. Or if you go to uh, Belgium, Belgi Denmark, sorry, not Belgium, uh, your name is Hans. So the same name, John, but in different languages is different. It's not just John, it's Johan or Hans or Jean, uh, however you French people pronounce that. But like, it's the same name, but it's, it's translated differently. So just as Joshua, right, Joshua was God's appointed leader to take uh, the Israelites from the wilderness into the promised land. Jesus is, and, and Joshua was this representation of God as salvation. Jesus is the fulfillment of it. He is, he is the better Joshua. Is that he is, he is the, the one who is our salvation to take us out of the wilderness of our brokenness and sin and lead us into a right relationship with God the Father. Jesus means Yeshua, Jehovah is salvation. And in Matthew, when the angel appeared to, to Joseph and said, you're to name him Jesus because he will save people from their sins. Jesus is salvation. Jehovah is salvation. That through Jesus, that we trust the name of Jesus, that at the name of Jesus, that demons tremble, that every knee bows. That the name of Jesus carries weight, it carries authority, that he is high and lifted up, that he is seated at the right hand of the Father. We trust in the name of Jesus, we trust in the person of Jesus, that he is a sacrificial lamb, that he is a sin offering to atone for the sins of humanity, that he is the visible image of the invisible God. And importantly, we, we trust in the work of Jesus. You can't change yourself. You can't heal yourself. You can't save yourself. It requires an outside source acting in your story to rescue you and I, to redeem you and I, because it's, it's beyond our doing. If we trust in the work of Jesus, 
He is our salvation, not our works, not our doing, not our striving, not our trying, not trying to do enough good things to try to balance the equation. It's never going to work. It's impossible. And it's not just get to the point where you're like, well, there's always Jesus. I could always, I could always try that to, to, to fix my life. No, it's, there's only Jesus. There's no other way to be made right. There's no other way to have freedom from the weight of sin. I saw this interesting story that there was a church in uh, the Philadelphia area that, um, that it was built like in the 19, early 1900s. And just recently they were renovating it and they, uh, they were about to demolish, they had some stained glass windows and they needed to remove them. And so they, um, they put something online to see if anyone wanted to buy them. And there was a guy who, who bought them. He said, um, the church asked if he wanted the windows before the workers sledgehammered them out. They were just going to destroy them. Um, and so he paid like $6,000 to purchase the stained glass windows and pews and some other like furniture that they were getting rid of and spent weeks and weeks uh, meticulously chiseling out the stone to try to keep these two windows. In fact, I got a picture of one of the stained glass windows. Uh, beautiful works of art. And so he finally got them down after weeks um, and like duct taped them together with moving blankets. Uh, and he took them to a, a, an auction house to see if they could give him advice on how to fix them up, on how to repair some of the cracks and broken pieces. And as they were looking at them, they realized that they weren't just ordinary stained glass windows. They were in fact made by the company Tiffany's. Uh, and these windows that were just about to be destroyed, uh, that he paid six grand for all the other stuff and the labor are now worth about a quarter million each. And how that name being stamped on it, that name of, of who made it, uh, changed the value of it. Why do I say this? Our hope being in Jesus, that he is the source of our salvation. All of us, God's word tells us, we're headed for destruction. That all of us, we are dead in our sin. And unless somebody stepped into our story to do something about it, that was the fate we would endure. But God, who is rich in mercy, sent Jesus, the new Joshua, the representation that Jehovah is salvation to make a way for you and I who didn't just buy us, buy us at a small price, that he bankrupted heaven by sending Jesus to come to live and to die for you and I. So that our hope can be placed in something of substance. Not something that we're like, like a shaky ladder. No, no, no. Our hope and our confidence is in the name of Jesus. It's in the person of Jesus. And it's in the work of Jesus. The finished work on the cross and the continued work in you and I. So church, will you pray with me as we close out today? Lord, we, we thank you. We thank you that we can have confidence in who you are. We thank you that we can have confidence because of your character and nature revealed to us through your holy word that paints a, a bigger and better picture 
but yet we know it in part. And Lord, I pray that I pray that if anyone's here, anyone here is is been stuck in a cycle of trying to strive to earn their worth or to earn the forgiveness of sins, Lord, I pray that you would free them from that lie today in Jesus' name. The only way to right the wrongs in our life is a perfect sacrifice found fully in the person and the finished work of Jesus. And when we trust on that, it says that we will be saved, that a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come. And so Lord, I pray that as we as we focus our hearts and minds onto your names, God, that it would produce in us just an awe and that we would worship you, Lord, for what you've done, for what you're doing, and most importantly, for who you are. So God, I pray that you would guide us and lead us. Uh, Father, help us to be more like you and may you receive all the honor and all the glory in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said amen, amen. Church, we love you. I hope you have an awesome week. As always, our prayer team is down front. We'd love to pray with you uh, for anything, anything at all. Church, we love you. Have a great week. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at therenovation.church.